the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us as we get rolling at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a Monday, the 20th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord 2021. Coming up in about a half an hour, you are not going to hear the voice of Jim Jordan, our fourth congressional district representative. He's on a travel situation today. He'll be with us tomorrow morning instead, which is cool. Because we will tag tag team him with uh, uh, Peter Kersenow. A Jordan Kersenow day is always a good day. But this morning we're going to talk instead at 9.35 with Dan Gaynor of the Media Research Council. And we're going to talk about woke ads. The Media Research Center, rather, um, is uh, is monitoring holiday ads. And it is quite astounding um, that for a, a slogan that we all have uh, and, and use from time to time about go woke, go broke, it's astounding the number of these companies that aren't going broke, and they're still going woke. They're still pushing their woke um, ideology, if you will, or their ideas uh, upon the people throughout just a, uh, an amazing variety of ads. And we'll let Dan tell you about those, but essentially men are being minimized. Uh, men that are included in advertising these days are made to be to look weak and ineffectual. Um, traditional single-race families are disappearing, and nobody cares about you know uh, interracial families. Those are perfectly fine, obviously, but the fact is they're a minority, a small minority. Most families are all one color, whether they be white or black or Latino or whatever your ethnicity may be, but most are, but they are not featured in ads. The LGBTQ movement is featured, is particularly the trans movement, in ads all over the place. Um, wokeness is just filling up our... Um, uh, our television screens and our online screens. And the question is, is if going woke means going broke, why are all of these companies succeeding with their woke messaging? 
So we're going to talk to Dan Ganner about that at 9.35. We're going to start with some huge news, but before we get to that huge news of the day, we're going to talk, or excuse me, we are going to uh, honor our country. So if you would, join me as we do each and every day to start our program with the Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, please go ahead and stand. If you have a flag, go ahead and face it. If you don't, that's all right. We know how you feel. Just go ahead and put your hand on your heart and join us. Leftists, we also know how you feel. You feel as though your personal ideological leftist, socialist, Marxist, communist ideas are better than those advanced by our founding fathers in liberty, in capitalism, freedom, in all aspects. We know how you feel. Don't even bother saying a pledge that you don't mean. Go ahead and take your knee. For the rest of us, please join. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Last January, and I've told you this story on the air before, uh, sorry for the redundancy if you have already heard it, but last January... This past January, of course. Um, I spoke at uh, Lisa Wood's group at the Medina County Friends and Neighbors, and a uh, great conversation with a lot of people, and, and fielded a lot of questions about what do we do, what do we do, what do we do. Bob, the Democrats have the House, I was told. Bob, the Democrats have the Senate. And Bob, now through some extraordinary act of theft, they have the White House. They're going to destroy this country in the next two years. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And I remember the speech I gave, and I remember the answers to the questions that I offered as well. And I remember saying, look, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be bad. It's going to be very difficult. They're going to do a lot of things that are going to be very, very difficult for our country to endure. However, what we need to do is tread up, tread water. Don't sink and die. Just stay afloat, knowing we're not going to advance, but we are just going to stay afloat while working our tails off to cultivate relationships and cultivate cultivate common, sensible points of view with one or two moderate Democrat senators. Because that's all it took, I said. In the Democrat-controlled House, it took a little bit more because they had a four- or five-seat majority. But in the Senate, there was no majority. It was a 50-50 split with Kamala Harris breaking ties. I said, so all we need is one, just one. One person who is probably going to vote with the Democrats on 99% of the legislation that they put through. It's not like we're going to count on this one moderate Democrat to be a Republican, but while they vote positive with the Democrats, vote yay for most of their nonsense, if we can convince that individual to not vote yes, to vote against his party's radical wishes and vote with the American people by siding with the 50 Republicans, I said we can head off some of the very worst of the worst legislation. I said if we target somebody like Joe Manchin, and say, Joe, we know you're a Democrat. We know you're going to side with the, with your uh, you know your party, the party with which you caucus most of the time. <clears throat> but you don't really think 
that we need two more states to provide statehood for Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. You don't really think that's a positive thing, do you? You don't really think that it's right to take the nine-member Supreme Court and pack it with 11 or 13 or 15 members, do you? You don't really think it would be right to strip the voting rights from the states, all 50 states, as the founders intended, to run their own elections and federalize elections, do you? And you don't really think that the Green New Deal, literally eliminating American dependence on energy, fossil fuel energy, from which and by which, by the way, we were energy independent for the first time, a net exporter of energy through oil and natural gas and coal, a net exporter of energy for the first time in the Trump years. You don't really want to go back to relying on foreign oil and uh, until, we, of course, we are able to just eradicate the need for oil altogether and put windmills up every five feet in, uh, uh, in this country, building electric batteries and all of the rest of the stuff in the Green New Deal that's going to completely uh, bankrupt this country 50,000 times over. You don't really want to do that, do you? So I just said, look, let's tread water and hope that we can convince one moderate person like a Joe Manchin to not vote with the Democrats on the worst of the worst. Yesterday, those efforts proved to be, let's rephrase, yesterday those efforts proved to bear fruit. This was the conversation Joe Manchin had yesterday morning on Fox News Sunday with Brett Baer. Senator, you're at the center of this uh, negotiation with the president over his social spending and tax bill, a bill, the Build Back Better bill that is not coming up uh, in the Senate before the new year, in part largely because of your reservations. Without you, the leadership doesn't have the votes it needs. So today, right now, what's the state of play? Well, Brett, you know, this is a mammoth piece of legislation, and I had my reservations from the beginning when I heard about it five and a half months ago, and I've been working diligently every day and every minute of every day. I've been working on this, meeting with whether it be the president, President Biden, whether it be Majority Leader Schumer and his staff, whether it would be with Nancy Pelosi, uh, all of my colleagues, I mean, from all different spectrums of the political spectrum, if you will, from the right to the left, I've done everything humanly possible. And you know my concerns I had, and I still have these concerns, and where I'm at right now, the inflation that I was concerned about, it's not transitory, it's real, it's harming every West Virginian. It's making it almost difficult for them to continue to go to their jobs, the cost of gasoline, the cost of groceries, the cost of utility bills, all of these things are hitting in every aspect of their life. And, and, you, and you start looking and then, then you have the uh, debt that we're carrying at $29 trillion. You have also the geopolitical unrest that we have. You have the COVID, the COVID uh, variant. Uh, and that is wreaking havoc again. People are concerned. I've been with my family. I know everyone's concerned. So when you have these things coming at you the way they are right now, uh, I've always said this, Brett, if I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. I have tried everything I know to do, 
and uh, the president has worked diligently. He's been wonderful to work with. He knows I've had concerns and and, and the problems I've had, and and you know the thing that we should all be is directing our attention towards the variant, the COVID that we have coming back at us in so many different aspects and different ways. It's affecting our lives again. Uh, we have inflation that basically could harm really harm a lot of Americans and especially those who are, are most needy and having a hard time struggling right now. So I think that's where our attention needs to be directed towards immediately. You know, and you're this getting, has been going on for five and a half months. You're getting all the focus, uh, Senator, but are there yeah, other Democratic right. senators right. who are concerned about this bill like you are? Have you talked to them? I'm not going to speak for any of myself. I, I respect. They know where I'm. They know the, the difficulties that I've been having with this. I've been very concerned about this. You know, when I first got to the Senate, uh, I, back in 2011, I was having a meeting on armed services, and uh, at that time, Admiral Mike Mullen was the chief of the Joint Chief, was, uh, head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And I'll never forget. He, in, in, in this hearing, he was asked the question, "What's the greatest threat the United States of America faces?" And I'm thinking I'm going to hear something in basically with military threats we might have around the world. Without blinking an eye, he said, the, th the debt of our nation is the greatest threat. Now, the debt was $14 trillion then, but it's $29 trillion now. Inflation is real. It's not going away anytime soon. We don't know when the end will come. There's a lot of people hurting right now. This COVID, we're fighting on a daily basis, and it's coming at different, different angles at us, if you will. These are serious, serious things. There's a lot of good, but that bill is a mammoth piece of legislation, a mammoth piece. And when it's done even through regular order, it would be a tremendous, huge undertaking. I have been waiting for this moment. We haven't had a lot to celebrate. We have not had nearly enough to celebrate. But we're celebrating this. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. This is a no. This is a no. This is a no. This is a no, Brandon. This is a no, Joe Biden. This is a no, Build Back Better. Build Back Socialist. Build Back Marxist. Build Back Communist. Build Back AOC Green New Deal. This is a no. How about no? That's what this is, a big, fat no. And the only thing more enjoyable than the no from Joe Manchin to Joe Biden on Build Back Better, Green New Deal, social spending, is the nightmare, the conniptions that they're all having right now in the leftist media and in the leftist political world. They are calling Joe Manchin everything but a man. Joe Manchin is Satan himself to the left right now. 
Joe Manchin has destroyed the planet, they say. Joe Manchin, Joe Manchin's argument was bull blank, according to Jihad Omar. I don't remember electing Joe Manchin president. How come he gets to make the decision? They scream. Spoiler alert. Joe Manchin isn't president. Joe Manchin isn't the only man who made a decision on this. Joe Manchin is one of 51 senators to tell Build Back Brandon to go pound Sandin. Joe Manchin is the only Democrat with the courage and the conviction to put country over party. Joe Manchin is the only Democrat to remember his oath of office. Joe Manchin remembered his pledge to do what's best for the people of West Virginia, his state. To do what's best for the American people. To not saddle them with $5 trillion of new debt. To expand illegal immigration, build the Green New Deal, crush energy independence. He did what was right for the country, not for his party. And that's why they hate him so much. And that's why we're celebrating on AM 1420 The Answer. I'll be right back. You know, I'm fairly confident that you understand how big this is, Joe Manchin's decision to uh, side with the Republicans here. I, I really, I'm confident you understand it, but boy... Um, you know, it can't be understated. It can't be. This is, this is, this is a huge bellwether, I think. It, it really is. Uh, this is going to have a, a strong, um, I think, impact on what the future, the immediate future in 2022 holds for this country. The left is going to, is going to realize they don't, they can't just push full on socialist progressive legislation through and onto the people of this country, which is what their goal has been since Barack Obama first uttered the words, we're going to fundamentally transform this country. This is what they've been wanting to do. And I think Joe Manchin just stepped one man, the courage of one man to step up and say, no, that's not, that's not going to happen. It's, it's going to force them to change their minds. They're going to have to change their approach. We said this after the result in Virginia when Glenn Youngkin beat uh, Terry McAuliffe. And you know what? It, it almost uh, happened in, uh, uh, in uh, New Jersey as well. But this is a massive statement saying the progressive ideology, the socialist ideology that is currently driving the Democrat Party is not going to work. It's not going to take over. It's not going to erase the free republic that we live in. 
This is this is that big of a statement for for Joe Manchin to come public and go live on national TV and say, "I'm a no. We're not going to do this. We're not going to take on five trillion dollars of new debt. Put put Lord knows how many people out of work. Uh, crush how many families with more massive amounts of inflation as we continue to print new dollars that don't exist. I'm a no. So when you have these things coming at you the way they are right now, uh, I've always said this, Brett. If I can't go home and explain it to the people of West Virginia, I can't vote for it. And I cannot vote to continue with this piece of legislation. I just can't. I've tried everything humanly possible. I can't get there. You're done. This is, this is a no. This is a no on this legislation. This is a no on this legislation. It cannot be overstated, really. How uh, how extraordinarily important and momentous this is, and if you're looking for an example of how extraordinarily important this is, just look at the reaction of those on the left. Look at the reaction of the White House. Peppermint Patty, aka Madam Circleback, wrote a 750-page response to what she saw yesterday. Or excuse me, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. 750 words, not 750 pages. 750 words, which is a, the, the size of a really good-sized uh, uh, newspaper article. Not a short statement from the press secretary. A 750-word uh, response in which she attacks Joe Manchin for being more loyal to his country than to the president. Quote, Weeks ago, Senator Manchin committed to the president at his home in Wilmington to support the Build Back Better framework that the president then subsequently announced. Senator Manchin pledged repeatedly to negotiate on finalizing that framework in good faith. While that framework was missing key priorities, we believed it could lead to a compromise acceptable to all. Senator Manchin promised to continue conversations in the days ahead and to work with us to reach that common ground. If his comments on Fox and his written statement indicate an end to that effort, they represent a sudden and inexplicable reversal in his position and a breach of his commitments to the president and to the senator's colleagues in the House and the Senate. Oh, my goodness. How dare he make a decision on behalf of his constituents in West Virginia and the people of the United States to prioritize them over Joe Biden and a political political victory for the Democrat Party. How evil is he? We've got so much more, and I want your reaction to that. Coming up, 216-901-0945. Uh, coming up next, directly, however, Dan Gaynor of the Media Research Center will be joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. A wake-up call, courtesy of the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Well, that's what we try to do every day. It's better to be awake than to be woke. Um, but apparently being woke is more profitable than many of us wanted to believe, wanted to, wanted to realize. You know, we like the phrase because it rhymes, go woke, go broke. But it's not necessarily true if at least you judge by the amount of commercials on television these days and in uh, targeted advertising that is pushing wokeness. 
weak, sissified men to combat the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, patriarchy, as they say, or the toxic masculinity. You've got interracial couples, which are fine, but there are very few of them compared to the number of families that are of one race, but you won't see that on TV. The LGBTQ agenda is live and uh, uh, ready for all to see. The question is, is why? If woke makes you go broke, why are woke or why are companies rather pushing that wokeness on their buying public? Joining us to discuss now is Dan Gaynor at the Media Research Center, who has studied this question. Dan, good to have you on our program here on AM 1420, The Answer. How are you this morning? Well, thank you. Merry Christmas to everybody there. I, 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 I think one of the reasons why we get the woke-broke um, combination is for news outlets, it really is pretty true. Uh, the, you know, CNN, MSNBC have, you know, they don't have that many viewers. Uh, Washington Post has lost something like 38% of its uh, non-subscriber base, you know, traffic since they, since they managed to purge Trump off the Internet. So, so a lot of news organizations suffer this way, but, uh, you know, for advertisers, that whole industry, the ad, the the business side, the people who handle advertising in corporate America, and then the ad agency side, which books ads, all of that is run by the left, I mean, almost exclusively. So, yes, they, the people buy and the people who sell ads, uh, all of that is run by the left, and so it is filled with lefty agenda to the point where, you know, I mean, it's it's humorous. They, they're, they, you know, they do, you know, they, they put, Mixed race couples on there, like they're trying to be edgy. Oh, we're trying to appease the young woke viewer. No one cares. I mean, I, you know, it's not that people were offended. They just, you know, it just becomes laughable when my uh, when my you know eighty nine year old mother uh, you know noted this a couple of years ago to me. I mean, that's I mean, it's like it's like well, every every commercial is like this. Every commercial is a wimpy, incompetent guy. Who's with a person, a woman of nebulous, you know, nebulous race? You can't tell. She said, "I mean, my mom never cared who I dated any time, and I'm older. It's just, it's just hard to ignore that they do it so much." Well, you're exactly right. Uh, We're talking to Dan Gainer of the Media Research Center. to that point, you know, about the interracial couples and the interracial families, again, like you said, nobody cares. Nobody even blinks. Nobody looks twice the way they did 50 years ago. That used to be kind of a taboo thing for a lot of people, for, quite frankly, a lot of racial people, racist people. Uh, but it's not a thing anymore. No one cares, so why are they promoting it and pushing it when the number of mixed-race families is still a far, far tiny minority compared to the number of people or number of families that are of one race, and whether that's white or black or brown or whatever the case might be. Why is this something that they insist on pushing on people? Well, I think it's it's I, I think uh, when the left complains that companies will do pro environmental stuff, but they don't really mean it. You know, like you'll see like you know oil companies doing you know oh we're going to how environmentally friendly we are. And of course, the left hates oil companies, so that it's it's greenwashing. Well, here this is kind of race washing. They don't they're they're putting it in their ads so hopefully that the the woke left will leave them alone. So it's just it's a it's basically you know a form of you know pay, payoff. It's a you know payola to the left like and it's also the, again the people who are doing these ads. This is their world. They they only see the world that they must push an agenda in every single thing that they do. And they what they don't understand is it's not an agenda anymore. No, genuinely, Americans not only don't care, they, you know, they look at it like, okay, why are you doing this? Because, you know, we're not offended. 
you know, it's like you're trying to you're trying to be edgy, and you've got no edge to you at all. Yeah, Dan, you and I, when we spoke earlier this morning, you mentioned something about how the right is terrible at protesting and at boycotting things. The left is extremely effective at it. And that's one of the reasons why they can get away with this. The reason we can't make these companies go broke, if you will, um, when they continue to push these things is because we're just not good at boycotting. Yeah. Well, because we generally don't believe in it. I, I mean, I, I well, well, hold that, hold that thought before you answer that. But, but yet, you, you, your first answer here, and you're right, by the way, of course. Look at the ratings for CNN, MSNBC, The Washington Post. We seem to be able to boycott, you know, those things, the news outlets. Why are we good at it in one in one fashion, but not so much when it comes to well, politics? because we're not boycotting. We're simply not choosing to watch them. We're not paying attention to them. Uh, that's a big difference. Okay. Uh, you know, if uh, if a a car company comes out and does an ad that's you know ridiculous and and you know offensive at Christmas time. Let's say, and I'm I, I can't think of one, so I'm just using an example. Uh, you know, we you know if it was offensive to the left, the left would boycott that car company. The car company would apologize. If it was offensive to the right, it's really rare that you manage to extract an apology from from a from a celebrity or a car company or something You're right. like that. You're right. Because and. And part of it is conservatives inherently believe in free speech. This is, used to be a liberal value. It's not anymore. So if you want to be a lefty and you want to say something that I, I oppose, you know, okay, well, you said it, I oppose it. I may or may not buy your product. I may not care. I, you know, if you're a conservative living in America in 2021, you, you cannot live in a world where you're not exposed to liberal thought bombarded by it you can't pick up a daily newspaper you can't turn on you know the news unless you you know only watch fox or newsmax or something like that you can't search the internet you can't listen to music i mean even country music and and so you live in the world that the left created you turn on tv you see liberal agenda but if you're a liberal you can float through life watching news, listening to entertainment, watching TV entertainment, going to the movies, and never encounter conservative thought. So when they do, whether it's from Joe Manchin or from a new movie or something like that, they freak out. Oh, my gosh. And this is what happened in 2016 when Trump won. They suddenly realized, oh, my gosh, there are a lot of conservatives on the Internet. We must ban them. And they've spent, you know, five years since trying to excise conservatives from every part of the Internet. Including President Trump himself. Oh, yes. <laughs> we, do a, we track how many times Trump or his campaign was censored versus Biden. Trump, before he was excised from 10 of the top platforms on the Internet, had been censored 625 times. Biden, zero. Yeah, and it's it's impossible to justify that. I don't care how far left you are. That's an impossible thing to justify. Let me go back, Dan Gainer of the Media Research Center, to to uh, uh, the issue of the advertising agencies and the uh, companies that they're working with, their clients. Uh, Michael Jordan said back in the 1980s that the reason he didn't speak about politics is because Republicans buy sneakers, too. He did not want to alienate half of the buying uh, you know, the marketplace, uh, by saying, you know, that I stand with this, that, or the other thing politically. Uh, and sp- obviously he probably felt as though he would be associated with Democrats by saying Republicans buy sneakers too. Uh, he went on, of course, to sell them to everybody and is a multi-billionaire, uh, you know, empire unto himself. 
How is it that that message is now gone? It doesn't matter if Republicans buy this technology, that product, this product, too. We just don't want their business. Well, because companies cater only to young people, and young people are much more liberal than the general population, uh, partially because they, they don't, you know, they've been indoctrinated for generally 16, 17 years by the educational system and the media. Uh, they, they come out, they often have, you know, if they've gone to college, they've got high debt, they want somebody to pay for it, they, you know, they look at job opportunities, they don't have, they're not settled down in their life. You tend to get more conservative once you buy a house, once you get a, you know, you marry, you have kids, you start looking at the world much differently. So there, that's, that's part. They cater, they cater to that, that group. And so, yes, uh, that's, so that's how Colin Kaepernick, who's despised by football fans and mocked because he lost, to, you know, he lost his job to a journeyman backup. Before before he went woke and you know dated dated the obviously you know like far left you know loony girlfriend and suddenly became you know woke to the point where he claims that NFL players are treated like slaves. I'm like okay, yes, get back to me the last time you heard about slaves earning millions of dollars. Well, no, you're exactly right, and I've made the point as far as that goes. Um, but again, again, to your point, he's marketable. I made the point is if 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 NFL players are treated like slaves, that means the NFL is slavery, and you keep claiming you want to be back in the NFL. Why are you trying to get back into slavery? Uh, that's yeah, a question that's, nobody and, has asked him but, personally. But it's got him into Nike, and Nike Bingo. And it got him to cre- create this huge, you know, huge documentary. Netflix? And he, yeah, and he, of course, well, I mean, Netflix is controlled by the left. And you subscribe to Netflix, you under, underwrite the left more than almost any other company. I mean, they gave this huge payola to to the to the Obamas for you know for oh we want you to come here and produce movie or movies and TV shows. No, they didn't. They were just bribing him, just like okay, here's the payoff for for a job well done. We were happy with you know eight years of Obama, so here you go. Here's your payoff. The left is wonderful at paying off its politicians, and you know, wait till Andrew Cuomo gets paid off because he will. Wait, put wait till somebody on. gives him a think tank job for a million, two million year. He'll get paid. Dan Gaynor, put on your Karnak hat for a moment and tell me, do you think there is ever going to be an end to the perpetual wokeness cycle we're seeing? Well, I mean, it, it, it either burns out or takes us to communist China. I, um, I, I mean, what we're, what we're dealing with right now, with the, the culture, we're living in a cultural revolution, exactly what happened to China. China, they, they destroyed churches, they tore down statues, they, they destroyed their history, um, and then worked their way to putting people in camps and killing them. So we, we've seen the first part of that. Thankfully, we've not seen the second part of it. Unlike China, we have a lot of people with guns. So, that, so you know, there's a, a bulwark against that. But you look at the, what the left talks about just with COVID. I mean, there's a bill proposed in New York, apparently, now to put to create medical camps. Well, you know, I, I genuinely believe that Americans won't go along with that, but that doesn't mean the politicians aren't trying. So do, does the left want to go, you know, full bore on this? Look at, follow prominent liberals on Twitter and look at how much they hate the right. Uh, you know, you can't... 
Watch, watch Joy Reid. Everybody, everybody listening to this program right now, watch Joy Reid on MSNBC for a week. If we, at the end of that, if you conclude that we live in a healthy you know, republic and everything's going to be fine, well, then great, don't listen to me anymore. But if you watch that and you think, oh, my God, how is this on television? How is this racist lunatic allowed on TV? And she just, look what she's espousing. Oh, my gosh, there's a whole network devoted to that? No, there's a whole industry devoted to that. And yet, somehow, some way, despite their very low ratings, they remain profitable enough for them to keep going. Well, they, they, the... because of the way cable is paid. And because uh, if you, you, never, you don't have to ever watch MSNBC. If you get basic cable and it's on your basic cable, you are paying for it. That's right. Just through your bill. Through your bill. That's t- because you pay your cable company to carry MSNBC, which puts money into Joy Reid's. And I mean, on the bright side, they also pay for Fox. And to a lesser extent, Newsmax or OAN. Sure. Um, you know that that, that com- comes as part of the package. But remember, people are turning off basic cable and going to streaming services, which is why everybody's launching a streaming service. Yep, that's what I've done. My family and I finally cut that cord ourselves, and uh, uh, we're not looking back. But anyway, good stuff, Dan Gaynor. I know you've got to run. Great uh, analysis of the woke culture that continues to uh, pervade our television screens. Uh, very Merry Christmas to you, and thanks so much for the time. Merry Christmas to everybody there. Take care. Dan Gaynor, Media Research Center, joining us on AM 1420. The answer will take our time out here. Come back. We've got a lot to do. We're guest-free the rest of the way. So if you want to get in line and you want to be heard, you want to ask a question, make a comment, follow up on a story, let's do it at 216-901-0945, Right back. Okay, 9.55. Pushing up toward the end of hour number one. Appreciate you being with us. Hour number two is completely guest-free. So uh, by all means, if you've got something you want to say about Manchin, his decision, about the Sixth Circuit, kind of um, stalling for now the stay that was put in place on the Biden vaccine mandates by the Fifth Circuit, setting up a huge Supreme Court showdown on mandates. Uh, we can do that as well, but whatever you want to talk about, 216-901-0945, We'll go to Charlie first in Westlake. Hey, Charlie, go ahead. Hey, Bob. Great program. Thank you. Hey, uh, last week I was thinking Joe Manchin might be a choice for president. I don't think so now. I've been watching. They really, really hate him because of what he's doing. The whole left, they're doing videos and saying he's a crook and he's, he's in the pockets of the oil industry he's probably going to end up having to he's probably going to have to end up uh uh, switching his affiliation to independent i know he's not going to go straight republican but uh he he has talked about the need you know trying to figure out where he belongs because he is a moderate he's not doing what the progressive democrats want to do he doesn't believe enough in conservatism to go over there so i think he's probably going to register as an independent before too long and then we'll see whether he caucuses with the republicans or the democrats i'm not exactly sure which one he'll go with yeah, it's very interesting. Um, looking at the Democrats and these leftists, they're not going to just go down easy. They're really, really animated now. I think they're going to go back to saying this next election was a racist election and they can't, it can't be verified. They're going to use the race car as much as they can in this next, next election to say it's fraud. Well, what they're going to use, what they're going to use, Chuck, is, and thanks, and thanks for the call, Charlie. I appreciate it. Uh, what they're going to use is, I just called Charlie Chuck without ever clearing it with him, if that's okay. (laughs) Just assume. Anyway, Charlie, um, 
what's going to happen here is they're going to use COVID. They're going to use the, the, the next strain, whatever it's going to be, the next variant, whatever it's going to be, in order to create, again, universal mail-in voting. This is how they were able to cheat in November of 2020. They weaponized COVID, and this is the only reason they are overreacting and, and shutting things down and putting new mask mandates in place. Schools are going virtual again come January. The only reason they're doing that to a, to a variant like Omicron, which is largely harmless, I mean, seriously, people are reporting nothing more than scratchy throats, and that's rare, to some muscle fatigue, muscle soreness, and fatigue. And that's it. People aren't needing to be hospitalized for Omicron. People aren't needing dying from Omicron. But they're overreacting to this so that they can continue to build until a universal, universal mail-in balloting. And, you know, uh, universal and, and uh, unchecked uh, drop boxes for ballots, ballot harvesting. Uh, you know, all of these things are going to be used again to their advantage if we're not careful. So the question becomes, how much will we allow ourselves to be taken in by the propagandists as it pertains to the threat of COVID? So much so that it impacts our voting again. Brian is in Cleveland. Hey, Brian, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, Bob, good morning. Real quick, I'll let you get back to some other calls. Sure. But first of all, I think Joe Manchin needs the can you dig it. But like I was telling the screener, the uh, the scandemic here from the very beginning, you know, they were saying that all these deaths are attributed to Trump. So how is it now that all the deaths are attributed to us, the on-wash? Why the double standard? <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. And, you know, here, here's what I wonder, too, speaking of Trump, and thanks for the call. Um, I, I wonder, you know, why President Trump isn't kind of getting out here and and saying, "Look, I was responsible for bringing these these vaccines to market in record time under Operation Warp Speed because I was told it was the right thing to do, and I was told by the doctors and the researchers that this would work, and it was going to be safe and effective for the people." But now, after almost you know, well over a full year of giving this, because they started giving it out last November and then December, and then now, of course, all of 2021. Looking at the adverse effects, looking at the extraordinary number of uh, of people who are double and triple vaccinated who are still coming down with the virus, it isn't working. It isn't working. Maybe it's time for President Trump to say what we need to work on and we need to start recognizing is natural immunity. Rather than continuing to push upon a population that is suffering a lot of adverse effects here and that is not, repeat, not making themselves immune from infection by way of these mRNA vaccines, maybe it's time that we we stop this push and we start looking for treatments rather than preventions. Because this prevention isn't preventing squat. I thought it would. I hoped it would. We 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 worked very hard to make you know oper- Operation Warp Speed happen, but this isn't working. Because right now, right now, we need somebody on that side. We need somebody on the side of the of the of the issue of the COVID issue that is of prominence and that is of note that says these vaccines don't work. It can't just be talk show hosts like me saying they're not working. These aren't breakthrough cases anymore. These are massive numbers of cases. And people are not, repeat, not uh, uh, vaccinated or rather inoculated against this virus. All right. I've got more for you. I've got more uh, questions for you. I've got more answers for you. I've got more phone calls coming from you. We'll do it right after the news on AM 1420, The Answer.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.